0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Uh, Hello, everybody. I'm so sorry that you're forced to be sitting there staring at a screen right now. (laughs) I really was uh, planning on being with you in person and taking the blessing of all of you uh, uh, in person. But then what happened was uh, this past week, my, my daughter, my youngest one, started having a sore throat and a runny nose, and then my other son, sore throat and runny nose. And lo and behold, uh for me uh yesterday you know I had a sore throat running nose th- today my wife is waking up with a sore throat so the it's it's minor symptoms it's very minor uh hopefully it's just a cold but i said you know what i called the bonaculus yesterday and i said you know what just to be safe uh, i don't know if i'm comfortable you know coming in person so abuna suggested yesterday hey you know what let's do this over zoom where you know i could just be with you uh virtually so <clears throat> i apologize first and foremost that you're stuck there, sitting there, <laughs> watching a screen again. Uh, it would have been nice to be with you in person, and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to come and take your, uh, take all of your blessing uh, uh, sometime soon. Okay. Abuna, would, uh, would you be able to speak a little louder until we fix the issue? The, our audio here is uh, kind of hard to hear, but uh, sure. if Ocha can speak louder until we fix it, okay, Appreciate sure. Everyone. So I'll try to project, and I'll try to speak speak loud like this is that better okay all right so uh, i will try to uh project my voice uh lord willing and so uh the topic i was invited to speak to you all about is the great Lent. and uh, and, uh we fix the audio if you want to just uh, because i don't want you to uh scream and lose your breath gotcha. but uh, the, the audio is fixed <laughs> okay good so everyone can now hear me clearly Yes. Okay, good. So, so did you hear what I said in the beginning or no, or was it too low? Oh, okay. So um, what, what I was saying in the beginning was uh, I was hoping to be able to come and take your blessing in person. And I apologize that you're sitting there watching a the screen. Um, uh, you know, this, this past week, my youngest daughter uh, started having a sore throat and a runny nose. And then it happened to my son. And then it happened to me yesterday and then t- today my wife woke up with a sore throat. So it's just uh, it's very minor symptoms. Um, hopefully it's just a cold. But uh, but uh, because of that, I called Abuna Carlos yesterday and uh, you know I asked Abuna, what should I do? And so Abuna suggested giving this talk today uh, virtually, which it, it works out as a good compromise. But obviously it's it's not as good as being able to be there with you, to be present with you and to see each other face to face. But uh, hopefully I'll have an opportunity for that, an opportunity to take your blessing in that way. OK, so I was invited to uh, speak to you all about uh, the Great Lent. And Abu Nuklous was telling me that you guys have been um, basically studying like the rites of the church and the history of the rites and trying to dig a little bit deeper, um, uh, understanding our church and understanding our worship and understanding our ritual theology, our rites. And so I myself uh, benefited a lot. Because Lent is starting this Monday. So I'm the one who, first and foremost, benefited a lot from what I prepared and from uh, what I read to prepare for this uh, study and for this uh, topic. Just to give you all a heads up of how we'll be going in this uh, uh, conversation, the first thing I'm going to talk about is like the history of Lent. How did Lent kind of evolve uh, to be the fast that it is that we have it uh, today? And then, so uh, uh, just a couple of the references uh, that I'll share with you what I used. There's a book here, it's called The Origins of Feasts, Fasts, and Seasons in the Early Church. And the author's names are uh, Bradshaw and Johnson. And it basically just talks about like the development of um, church worship and Lent in general across the world. And then specifically to the Coptic church, there's these three, Uh, green books that talk about uh, a summary of the liturgical history of the Church of Alexandria, and they have them for a couple centuries. So it's like the first few centuries, the next centuries, and the centuries after that. So if anyone is interested in learning about the history or the study of the development of our liturgical worship, you have a lot of documented things like that. Then for the actual spirituality of Lent and what the meaning of Lent is, um, there's a book by, there's a book called Great Lent, By Father Alexander Schmemann. And uh, 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 it's an excellent summary and introduction of how we as Orthodox Christians understand the meaning of Lent, the purpose of Lent, the point of Lent. Um, And then looking at our own, uh, looking at what we do. If you wanna know how we believe and how we understand something, look at what we do. So we'll look at some of our own hymns and then some of our own readings to understand this journey of Lent and how we understand Lent and what's the meaning of it and what is the purpose of it. You get it? So that's kind of the, the flow of how we're going to uh, discuss. If any of you have questions at any time, please yell out, jump in, raise your hand. Um, uh, so and, and, and if Utsak has anything to add, please feel free and jump in um, at any point. Um, so it's, it's good so it's not just staring at a screen and being boring. If you wanna make it interactive, if you wanna say something, if you wanna ask, please, please do um, feel free. All right, so let's jump right in to our topic. So the Great Lent. So like I said, the first thing we're gonna discuss is the history and the uh, development. Okay, you know how now on Good Friday, there's actually some deacons that will stay Good Friday and then all of um, Holy Saturday, Bright Saturday, and they'll, they'll fast. Um, like those couple days until after the resurrection. Even I remember some deacons would stay in their tunya and would 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 stay in the church and help um uh like set up. So this early fast, this this fast that we people still do now of not eating from Good Friday until after the resurrection liturgy, this is actually very ancient. And uh uh this could have been actually the start. Of the the Easter fast, the Resurrection fast, the Paschal fast, you know. So it started off as those first couple of days from Good Friday, until after Resurrection liturgy. Um, it was a very ancient custom, and it was the beginning of the evolution of the fast. Eventually, things worked backwards, where okay, they they didn't just fast Friday, but they they brought the fast back uh, until the beginning of the week, and then all of Holy Week became one unit and one fast before uh, the resurrection, okay? Now, parallel to that, so think of this one week fast for Holy Week before Easter, and you keep that in your mind. Parallel to that, you know how Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and we celebrate the Theophany? Well, after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, the Bible tells us he went out into the desert and he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And we actually read this account in one of our uh, weeks of Lent, right? And so because Jesus was baptized and then after he was baptized, he went out into the desert and he fasted for 40 days. The early church specifically in Alexandria would celebrate theophany. And then after theophany, the church would fast for 40 days in commemoration and reliving what Jesus did. Okay, so uh, the early Alexandrian church commemorating this They would celebrate Theophany and then they would have the 40 day fast after Theophany. So right now, our Theophany is something like January 19. So what they would do is they would celebrate Theophany and then they would fast the 40 days right after that, like Jesus did. This time period was a final preparation time when catechumens would be baptized at the end of the 40 days some say again this is you know how like you read things but not everything might be historically accurate you're not sure so one one teaching or one tradition was that jesus himself after these 40 days is when he himself baptized the apostles and so um the early alexandrian church would celebrate theophany and then would fast 40 days and then Catechumens preparing to be baptized would be baptized at the end of those 40 days, so this 40 day fast. um, Associated with Jesus baptism, starting with it, and then it would end with Christians themselves being baptized, so you have a very early connection between a 40 day fast. And catechumens being prepared and being ready to be baptized, so the 40 day fast is connected to Jesus fasting for us. And the 40 day fast has also been connected to catechumens preparing for baptism. So, just to see some of the um, uh, references again, um, it's not like I went to these sources and read them for myself. I'm reading other books who are then quoting these sources, uh, just to let you know where I got this from. But for example, Origen, right, who was around the 200s, he says, Nor do we say that we relax the restraints of Christian abstinence. For we have the 40-day fast, consecrated to fasting, and we have the fourth and sixth days of the week, Wednesday and Friday. So in the 200s, Origen, when speaking about fasting, he references Wednesday and Friday, which is also mentioned in the Didache. Very, it's a very early church custom that the church would fast Wednesday, Friday, and then that the church would celebrate the resurrection on Sunday. This was uh, So what we do now, this was something literally from the first and second um, centuries. This is uh, an old, ancient custom. Um, yeah. So, and then origin refers to a forty-day fast. Okay. Generally, Peter the First of Alexandria, in about three hundred five, he says, "For they did not come to this." So, this is the canons of Peter of Alexandria, and he's talking about people that you know how there was persecution, and we read about all the good stuff. We read about all the people who were martyred. Well, there was a ton of people who, when they were under the stress of persecution, instead of being martyred and witnessing to the faith, they actually denied their faith. So then the problem for the church became, what? how do we allow people who denied their faith to come back? People who lapsed, people who denied Christ. you know. And so this Canon of Peter Alexandria, this is Canon one, it says, for they did not come to this of their own will, but they were betrayed by the frailty, by the weakness of their flesh. For they show in their bodies the marks of Jesus and some are now for the third year, bewailing their faith. So for these are people who um, denied Christ. And then so far now for three years, they've been crying and repenting and asking for mercy. Right. And so he says it is sufficient, I say, that from the time of their submissive approach, other 40 days should be enjoined upon them to keep them in remembrance of these things. Those 40 days which our Lord, Jesus and, uh, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ fasted, and he was yet after he had been baptized, tempted by the devil. And when they shall have during these days, exercise themselves much and constantly fasted, then let them watch in prayer, meditating upon what was spoken by the Lord to him who tempted him to fall down and worship him. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only that shall thy serve. So not only is this 40-day fast the final preparation for a non-believer, a catechumen to then become a Christian, right? But even what St. Peter here, what Baba uh, Peter of Alexandria uh, is is suggesting is that even the people who denied Christ, then you know what, let them um, do penance, let them do like repentance for 40 days. Then this is like their final, then let them also re-enter communion and come back into the church and take communion just like with the catechumens there so he it, it seems like he's suggesting here that even the people who lapsed should be fasting these 40 days and um bringing them back into the communion with the church after the canons of hippolytus uh from the mid 300s um uh it's uh it's also hippolytus was a bishop from rome but he might've been Alexandrian. Uh, and then a lot, of, a lot of what Hippolytus says lines up a lot with uh, what the Alexandrian church did. And so he says, during 40 days, the catechumens are to hear the word, and if they are worthy, they are to be baptized. That's Canon 12 of Hippolytus. And then later, Canon 20 of Hippolytus, he says, the fast days which have been fixed are Wednesday, Friday, and the 40. He who adds to this list will receive a reward, And whoever diverges from it, except for illness, constraint, or necessity, transgresses the rule and disobeys God who fasted on our behalf. So this is just all ancient witnesses and ancient sources to show you just what I'm saying that in the early church, um, you had the, the, the fast that became the fast before holy week, right? The fast of holy week. And then you had the 40 day fast, um, after theophany. That was associated with baptism, associated with Jesus's baptism, and catechumens themselves being baptized. Okay, there was a scholar named Johann Michael Vansleb, and in the late 17th century, in his trip to Egypt, he recorded about the 40-day fast. It says, beginning in the first times of Christianity, the day after the Feast of Epiphany, it uh, it lasted for the 40 days that followed, and with respect to Holy Week. It was observed, and then separately in the month of Nisan or April, at the end of which the resurrection of our Lord was celebrated with the Pascha. So just like now, how we calculate Easter is the way we've, the Feast of the Resurrection, Pascha, we calculate it like we always have. It's always in the spring after the first, uh, whatever the details are, after the first full moon, after the first sun, after the after Passover. Um, so it's, it's, we always celebrate our... Um, feast of resurrection in the spring after the Jewish uh passover so it has to do with after the first full, full room full moon and the uh equinox whatever all, all whatever the details of the uh calculations are so what he's saying is yes they always celebrated the resurrection um uh, in the spring right but then the 40-day fast was actually earlier um it was right after theophany it was right after. Epiphany. Sleb had written about the early Coptic worship, quoting from Macarius's letter the book of Chrism. In the book itself, the author Macarius complains that the ancient practice of baptism on the Friday that ends the fast had faded away and only the blessing of Chrism remained. He was upset because baptism had lost its relationship with the day that Jesus had baptized his disciples which he seems to have believed was the end of the 40 days of the fast in the desert. So again, according to this book, this letter by Macarius, that's called the Book of Chrism. um, This is an old Egyptian manuscript. and In this, he references here, (coughs) excuse me, that um, at the end of the 40 days is when Jesus himself baptized his disciples. And so then for the Christians themselves, they themselves would take on baptism um, at the end of those um, 40 days. The Didascalia, it says, therefore, you shall fast during the days of Pascha uh, uh, from the 10th, which is Monday, and you shall sustain yourselves with bread and salt and water only, and at the ninth hour until Thursday. But on Friday and Saturday, fast completely and do not taste anything. You shall then come together and watch and keep visual all night. This is apocalypse night that we still do. Uh, with the readings of the prophets, with the Gospels, with the Psalms, with fear and trembling, and with earnest supplication until the third hour of the night, until after Saturday, and then break your fast. So here, from um, this this ancient uh, text, the discalium, we see this practice of fasting Holy Week. And he would say, um, you know, basically fast from Monday through Thursday until uh uh the ninth hour which would be 3 pm right and then he says you know what friday uh on, on starting on good friday fast completely um and so this is this is the custom at that time um in the 400s there was a um uh so the way it seemed to work out is you know how we have the council of Nicaea in 325 um so the council of Nicaea was in 325 and at that time St. Athanasius was a deacon, right? And then after that, St. Athanasius became the Bishop of Alexandria. It seems like after the time of Nicaea, you know, during the reign of Baba Athanasius is when now this 40-day fast that used to be after the baptism of Jesus is now brought forward. And uh, it's it's now combined with uh, the fast of Holy Week. So um, it's sometime in the 300s, sometime in the fourth century is when um, uh, the the 40-day fast that was after Epiphany gets moved forward and it is now associated with Pascha, okay? So let's read what this Byzantine historian says. He says, the fast before Easter will be found to be differently observed among different people. So he's talking about all the different nations and all the different churches with all their different rites and how they celebrate Easter. So Nicaea, one of the canons did decide hey, uh everyone is going to celebrate resurrection together. Everyone is going to celebrate Pascha together because there were some people that celebrated it on the actual date. Like, you know how your birthday is? So my birthday is September 27. So every September 27, I celebrate my birthday. The actual date of Good Friday, of Pascha, was the 14th of the Jewish month of Nisan. So there there were some people that celebrated the actual uh, resurrection, the actual Pascha on the actual date that it happened. So whether it came on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they didn't care. They always celebrated on that date. The other school, the other tradition was no to always celebrate Good Friday on a Friday and always celebrate resurrection on a Sunday. You see, what ended up happening at the Council of Nicaea was that second way of celebrating it one out. And they were like, you know what, let's, let's do this so that we all celebrate together. Is one necessarily right or wrong? I, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. That's just the way they did it. But then when the church comes and decides to unite, then you know what, someone has to give. And, and what they decided at Nicaea was that they would celebrate the way we calculate Easter now. And from that time, it was the Church of Alexandria that would calculate and the, the Pope of Alexandria, the Bishop of Alexandria would send out his Paschal letter, which is the tradition we still have now. We still get the letter from the Pope um, you know, every Easter um, season. So he, uh, continuing with what Socrates wrote, he says, those at Rome fast three successive weeks before Easter, except Saturdays and Sundays. So in Rome, they fasted for three weeks before Easter. That was their thing. Those in Elycria and all over Greece and Alexandria, which is our church, observe a fast of six weeks, which they termed the 40-day fast. So at that time, that's what our church did. Others commencing their fast from the seventh week before Easter and fasting um, three, five days only and at at intervals, yet they call that time the 40 days. It is indeed surprising to me uh, that thus differing in the number of days, they should both give it one common appellation. So even though everyone did things differently, and, and, and did things different ways. And everyone called it the fast of the 40 days. Everyone called it Lent. Uh, but some assign one reason for it and others another, according to their um, several fancies. So that's uh, Socrates. Athanasius, uh, he was ordained, he became the bishop of Alexandria in 329. So in 330, this is his second paschal letter. Um, So this is Athanasius' Paschal letter from the year 330 A.D. This is the second year he was the Pope of Alexandria. And this paragraph that I have here quoted is the conclusion of that letter. He says, we begin the fast of the 40 days on the 13th of the month of Baramhat, which is March 9th. After we have given ourselves fasting and continued succession, we begin the Holy Paschal week on the 18th of Baramuda, which is April 13th. And then uh, keeping the feast afterwards, the feast on the 24th, So April 19th would be the actual feast. And then after that would be the Holy 50 days, the Pentecostal period. So if we calculate from March 9th to April um, um, 19th, this is is actually, this is exactly six weeks. So if if the whole of Lent at the time of St. Athanasius was um, six weeks, so six times seven is gonna be 42 days. So they combined, like I said, that early fast that was after Epiphany. And at the time of Athanasius, That fast was combined with Holy Week to make it one, you know, 40 day um, uh, fast because, yeah, six times seven would be uh, 42. Then what happened was in the sixth and seventh centuries, we ended up, you know how like we were close with the uh, with the Syrian church, with Antioch, we ended up trading and ended up adopting things from the Syrian church. So, for example, in the, uh, in the 900s, at the time of Mu'attam, um, uh, the Pope's name was Abraham Ibn Zarah, something like that. I might be mispronouncing the Arabic. But Pope Abraham, uh, who was the bishop at the time of Mu'attam, he himself was of Syrian background. And it was at his time that we adopted Jonah's fast. So Jonah's fast was never part of the Alexandrian tradition, but we adopted it at the time of, uh, in the 900s, uh in in union kind of with the with the Syrian bishop guess what happened Antioch and Syria dropped Jonah's fast and we kept it <laughs> so we took the fast from them and then we kept it and then they dropped it so we if you look at the history of the uh the Coptic church we tend to add things and 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 never drop and never let go of them in the same way we ended up adopting uh extra weeks of fasting from the uh from the Syrian churches, and that's how we have it. So we have it now. Let me make one. Let me make one side comment. Sometimes someone will read something in history, right, and then they'll look at the evolution and the development of how things happen, and they'll come and they'll say, "Oh, Abuna, um, you know, we're doing things wrong now. You know, we should go back to the way things were in the four hundreds or the five hundreds or the 900s, Okay. Just because you read a book doesn't make you like uh, uh, know better. And, and and better than others, realize that we are a church, a church of community, right? And if you ask me, you know, oh, what should we do now? When it comes to anything, when it comes to rites, when it comes to rituals, when it comes to church stuff, you know what we should do? I'm a member of the church. So whatever the Holy Synod agrees, and whatever the bishops say and my fellow priests say, then you know what I go with. Like, like the um the whole point of it is yes, things have developed over time, right? and knowing that background is good because it gives us a background of how things um, developed. But remember, I'm a part of a church now and I'm a part of a community now, a community that worships and I'm part of this one body. So if the church now decides this is the way we do things because of this and this and this, like development, be be humble enough to uh, I mean, the whole point of Lent is to make us humble is the the whole point of fasting real humility before god and real humility before others real humility before god is to be able to look at god and say thank you lord real humility before god is to be able to um you know humble myself to submit myself to what he wants in my life and real humility before others is to be able to look at others and lift them up put them above me you know the reason i'm saying this is cuz sometimes people will learn things about rights and and that becomes a sort of fighting we should do things this way no we should do things this way you're doing the complete opposite of what the whole point is to be humbly worshiping god in unity and so um uh whatever the synod says and whatever my bishop says and whatever my fellow priests say that's what we go with and we have that spirit of love of unity of fellowship and and but it but it is good to learn the background of how things evolved and how things developed because it makes us more informed Christians. So at the time of St. Athanasius, Lent was six weeks. Around the 17th century, we end up adopting a longer Lenten fast. And then towards the end of the 14th century, praying that unction of the sick, the last Friday of Lent becomes a uh, custom. So we have the end deal now. It's interesting how things enter And then we keep them and we don't let go of them. You know how we just had a pandemic this this past year, guys? I remember when uh, Abuna Michael Soria was giving a presentation to the priests about the pandemics. He said there was actually a pandemic that happened and so many people um, died in Egypt. And so it was impossible for them to be able to have funerals for all these people because it was coming to the time of Holy Week. So what they did was they did a general funeral um, for everyone, because it it would have been impossible with the amount of people that died from the pandemics, it would have been impossible to do individual funerals. So the church started doing general funerals to commemorate and remember everyone that died. You see, even after the pandemic stopped, we just kept that practice now. And now we have that general funeral um prayo but if if you actually again this was if if you look at the history of, of of and this was the first time that i learned that was from listening to him i'm like oh the general funeral entered because of a pandemic so it entered because of very practical reasons you know but we did something and so we just kept doing it and kept practicing it and now obviously um you know for the reasons we say now um you know we have that funeral because we're preparing ourselves to die with christ and rise with christ and uh and uh and uh you know, because of the um, uh, the funeral prayer won't be during the Holy Week. And we have, we have all these explanations and things on it now. But so the same thing here, the unction of the sick prayer became a custom at the end of the 14th century, which means at the end of the um, 1300s. Um, and and, uh, and even then, I think the logic of it, if you look at all the people who are, who've are who been fasting, who've been struggling, who've been, you know, it's kind of like this is to, for healing for them. Um, spiritually physically emotionally all, all the healings that we need um uh as christians okay the possible you know how i'm saying we adopted things from uh the syrians did you guys ever hear of a, a paramon fast you guys know what a paramon is what is a paramon <laughs> okay yeah i'm i'm sorry I, I i can't hear that well i guess <laughs> maybe uh 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 so yeah you guys can hear me though clearly right uh, you can hear us no when it no, no. comes close and talks like that then yeah i hear clearly okay maybe. but uh but uh but uh but <laughs> okay it's a preparation for the fast so very good thank you so thank you man. yeah so basically You know how we celebrate any feast before we celebrate any feast we fast and actually this same logic. makes sense with Lent because like after Easter we're going to tell you and I have this coming up in another slide but after Easter we're going to tell you. For 50 days, you have to party okay for 50 days you're not allowed to do a penitential prostration for 50 days you're not allowed to fast. For fifty days, you have to sing joyous. Farahi, you have you have to. So we're gonna be we're gonna get ready to like celebrate. But before we celebrate, we we mourn. Before the resurrection comes, the cross. So this kind of logic came up where um, before celebrating any feast, you know, fast the day before, and then that way you're kind of fasting to prepare yourself to celebrate the feast. You see, and so. Um, the strict fasting days, just like now, would be Monday through Friday. Okay, on on sa- Saturday and Sunday there would be no abstaining. You know, so you're supposed to be able to wake up Saturday and Sunday and and eat and not abstain. But weekdays you can fast till uh, a later time. So, because they would have the day before a feast being a fast, this was referred to as a paramon. You see, so say for example, a fast occurred on a Tuesday. Well, the day before Tuesday would be Um, Monday. So no problem. People would fast Monday. Say the feast came on a Wednesday. Okay. They fast Tuesday. Say the feast came on a Thursday. Okay. They fast Wednesday. So for any day, you can just fast the day before it, but say, say the feast came on a Saturday. All right, no problem. I can fast the day before on Friday, but say the feast came on a Sunday. If the feast came on a Sunday, then I would go back to the day before. But I can't fast strictly on Saturday, so I go back to Friday. So if the feast is actually on a Sunday, instead of a one day preparation, you have a two day paramo because you want to fast the day before. But because I can't fast the day before I go to the day before that. You see if the feast is on a Monday. okay, then I want to fast the day before it's Sunday, but I can't. Okay, go the day before that Saturday fast. I can't. So you go back to Friday and then you can have a strict fast. So if that just to give you the logic of what a paramon is, you want to fast the day before a feast, okay? But if the feast is on a Sunday, you can't fast on Saturday, so it becomes a two-day paramon. If the feast is on a Monday, you want to fast the days before it, but you can't, so it becomes a three-day paramon. You see that? If that's the case, so we adopted the longer Lent period from um, you know other churches, and we took it and we made it. And then because we did that, people try to come up with, uh, logic of why, but, but the logic is secondary, but just, just to give you, uh, an idea. So these are now the eight weeks of Lent. So eight times seven would be 56, right? So these would be the, the, uh, the eight weeks that we have of Lent. Yeah. When I say fasting, I mean, abstaining, right? So like, um, uh, we don't abstain Saturday and Sunday. So, um, because of that, we end up having uh, a, a two day paramount or a three day paramount using that same logic. You know how we have, uh, uh, like, uh, the fast would end up being cause the last Sunday is resurrection. So it ends up being 55 days out of the 56. Well, if I don't count weekends, if I don't count Saturday and Sunday, if I take away those 15 days, then Oh, 16, including resurrection. If that's the case, then I have, eight times five, which is 40. So the way we have Lent now, we have 40 weekdays of strict fasting with abstaining. You see? Um, so and in, in one way, we can still consider Lent to be the 40-day fast, because we have 40 days of um, uh, strict fasting, right? Another way is this other breakdown of looking at, okay, you have the first week, is like the introduction week, the, the the preparation week. Right. And then the second week would start the actual um, 40 days of Lent. And then the 40 days would end on the last Friday of Lent, which would be that that um, Friday there, the last one in red. Right. And then you have Holy Week starting the week after. So so Lazarus, Saturday and Palm Sunday would kind of be the connector. Some people connect them with uh, Holy Week. Some people just um, use it as a separate thing, you know, right before Holy Week, whatever. How, however you decide to um, uh, organize it and think about it. Bottom line is, this is our fast now. This is our Holy Lent now. This is how we fast now. So we fast and we pray with the whole church. Um, uh, uh, this is our Lent period. Uh, yeah. Now, like I said, in about 55 days, the church is going to tell you to rejoice. So in the fifty-five days, there's no matanyas, there's no fasting, and everything is bright and everything is um, joyful. So our church is actually very balanced because before we rejoice, um, we fast. before Before we rejoice, we mourn. You know, before the resurrection comes, the cross. Even if you look at um, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ with his disciples, you know, uh, before any glory, there was the 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 suffering. It's, and and honestly, this gives us a balanced Christian mindset. you know it, it's, 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 uh, it's it gives us the mourning and the repentance and it also gives us the the joy uh, that comes after. Okay, so what is the connection between Lent and baptism in uh, Pascha? On Easter we celebrate Christ's resurrection. Um, as something that happens and still happens to us. So it's not just something in the past, but the resurrection of the human being is something that's real and something that we still you know, live now. For each one of us receive the gift of that new life and the power to accept it and live by it in our own baptism. It's a gift which radically alters our attitude toward everything in this world, including death. It makes it possible for us to joyfully affirm death is no more. Death is still there, all of us will still die, right? And we're still gonna have to face it, right? And it will someday come and take us. But it's our whole faith that by his own death, Christ changed the very nature of death and made it a passage or a Passover or a Pascha into the kingdom of God, transforming the tragedy of tragedies into the ultimate victory. Such is that faith of the church affirmed and made evident by her countless saints. It is not our daily experience, however, that this faith is very, uh, is it not, sorry, our daily experience, that this faith is very seldom ours, and that all the time we lose and betray the new life, which we received as a gift, and that in fact we live as if Christ did not rise from the dead, as if that unique event had no meaning whatsoever for us. We simply forget. We're so busy. We're immersed in our daily occupation, and because we forget, we fail. And through this forgetfulness, failure and sin, and our life becomes old again petty, dark, and meaningless, a meaningless journey towards a meaningless end. And so we may from time to time acknowledge and confess our various sins, yet we cease to refer our life to the new life which Christ revealed and gave to us. Indeed, we live as if he never came. This is the only real sin, the sin of all sins, the bottomless sadness and tragedy of our nominal Christianity, being a Christian just by name. If we realize this, then we may understand what Easter is and why it needs and presupposes Lent. For we may then understand that the liturgical traditions of the church and all its cycles and services exist, first of all, in order to help us recover the vision and the taste of that new life, which we so easily lose and betray so that we may repent and return to it. And yet the old life, that of sin and pettiness is not easily overcome and changed. The gospel expects and requires from man an effort of which, in his present state, he's virtually incapable. This is where Great Lent comes in. This is the help extended to us by the church, the school of repentance, which alone will make it possible to receive Easter, not as mere permission to eat and drink and to relax, but indeed as the end of the old in us, as our entrance into the new. For each year, Lent and Easter are once again the rediscovery and recovery by us of what we were made. Uh, through our baptismal death and resurrection. In the early church, the main purpose of Lent was to prepare the catechumen for baptism. And I I showed you guys that even in Alexandria, this was done actually um, after Epiphany. But even after it moved from Epiphany to right before Easter, it still had this connection to baptism. Even though we're baptized, what we constantly lose and betray is precisely that which we received at baptism. So Easter every year is our return to our own baptism and Lent is the preparation for that return. The purpose of Lent is to soften our hearts so that may open it to the realities of the spirit to experience the hidden thirst and hunger for communion with God. So here, this in this last slide, um, you have the connection, put put it this way, you, you have the connection between um, our baptism and between Lent, because uh, the resurrection is what Christ did for us. It's how he conquered death. It's how we overcome. It's how we have that new life. Right. And we, by not focusing on God, by not being real with God and being distracted and being worldly and temptations and everything else, separate ourselves and and take ourselves away from God and live as if he didn't do all this for us and he didn't give all this for us, but he did. And so um, renewing our baptism and remembering our baptism and reliving our baptism is remembering what christ did for us and what gift was given to us and so there is this this nice connection between um baptism and uh resurrection you know easter every year the third bullet easter every year is our return to our own baptism and lent is the preparation for that return it's to soften our hearts it's to make me hunger and thirst, and make me realize that you know what I need God. Being hungry and being thirsty is good, because it makes me realize I need God. So what I talked about so far is history and historical stuff from books. What I talked about so far is a little meaning of Lent from the Great Lent by Alexander Spivnen. Now let's look at our own rites. Let's look at our own hymns. Let's look at our own rituals and see what kind of mindset um, uh, we want to have for this Lent period. Okay, so the hymn. Up in choice, right? Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights to save us from our sins, right? Um, uh, again, if so this is the hymn uh, up in choice before we sing agios, before the litany of the gospel. But uh, if you look at a lot of what we say, we say the same stuff like over and over and over. Like if you look at, for example, tomorrow is the preparation Sunday for Lent. It's the Sunday before Lent. And so the reading is taken from the first half of Matthew chapter six. And then so you have, you know, when you do a good deed, you know, don't blow a trumpet. Don't show off to others. When you pray, go in your inner room, right? When you fast, don't show off to us. So the whole thing is when you pray, when you fast, uh, uh, when you give, when you do good deeds, right? Do it for the sake of glorifying God and not for your own looks in front of people, right? And then we have the Our Father prayer there in Matthew chapter six. And, and there's so much there in the Our Father prayer. Uh, give, us to, give us this day, the bread of the morrow, the, the the bread that we need, uh, you know, the supernatural bread, the super essential bread. Um, help us to not be worldly. Help us to focus on what's important what's you, right? Help us to be forgiving. Forgive us as we forgive others. There, there's so much there. And these same themes are prayed and sung over and over and over and over, you know? And so I um, hopefully by praying in our church in Lent and by fasting, I can actually be the kind of person that becomes forgiving. Hopefully I can be the kind of person that looks to the, like if we really allow this fast and our worship, it can really transform us into being the kind of Christians that we're really um, supposed to be, you know? And so this refrain, it's the same refrain we sing during communion, our Lord Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights, right? We, we say that. In, so it's the same stuff said over and over and over and over. And then you have the Jepeniotim, which is taken from the, our fatherhood. And then you have, um, uh, so really think and really take in and digest all of this. Um, so our Lord Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights, right? Anon Hun, we too, let us fast with purity and righteousness and let us pray proclaiming saying so christ fasted let us also fast and I uh, i i have sinned i have sinned my lord jesus forgive me for there is no servant without sin nor a master without forgiveness this shows you my mindset this shows you my my orientation my attitude where i should be coming from the 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 it is a healthy mourning you know like if somebody goes through a tragedy um if they don't mourn healthily like actually crying and mourning is good because it is only in mourning and um and crying that you can get to the point like if you look at the stages of grief right there's five stages of grief you have from um from whatever they are from anger to uh uh like not being able to accept it um denial um to to bargain to so you have whatever and you get to the point of acceptance um, being repentant and being sorrowful and being soberly mournful is good because and even though it's a sadness, it's like a bright sadness. It's, it's not the kind of uh, mourning and sadness that leaves despair, but it's the healthy mourning for re- realizing the reality of my state, the reality of my sin and the reality of my weakness. And I fast for my behalf and on behalf of 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 the whole church on behalf of creation. You know, we 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 are as human beings the priest of creation, you know. So this is a good attitude. Like it, it is healthy to be able to say, I have sinned, I have sinned, my Lord Jesus, forgive me. Now our church is balanced, it's not like we stay like this and we stay mourning and, and sober forever, because like I said, it's balanced with 50 days of joy. So live in the season that we're um living in. Um and then um uh later on in the hymn our father who art in heaven hallowed be your name may your kingdom come for yours is the glory forever so that's the up and choice hymn, right the doxology the first doxology we pray for lent your mercies O my lord i will praise forever and ever and from generation to generation i will declare your truth out of my mouth so we're starting with with god's mercies my iniquities have covered my head and have overburdened me oh god hear my sighs and, and cast them away from me. Then we ask God to make us like three people. It's actually very interesting to look at these three characters and, and there's three characteristics that we are ask him to make us like. He says, make me like the publican, the tax collector who sinned against you. <laughs> it's funny because what? Make me like a tax collector? Make me like a sinner? Make me like an adulteress? Make me like a thief? Yeah, that's the exact point make me like these sinners because they were honest in their sin and because they were honest in their sin they were honest in their repentance so make me like the tax collector who sinned against you you had compassion on him and you forgave him his sins make me like the adulteress whom you have redeemed you saved and you rescued her for she pleased you make me like the thief you know it's it's very interesting i i, I love the wording Cause I'm saying, God, make me like a thief, make me an adulteress, make me a tax collector, make me the sinner who is honest in his sin and honest in his repentance and can turn back to you. Make me like the thief who was crucified upon your right hand, and he confessed and likewise said, "Uh, rem- wait, did I lose it? Sorry. Yeah. Oh man. Sorry. I keep I keep passing it. Um." make me like the thief who's crucified upon your right hand, who confessed to you and likewise said, remember me, oh my Lord, remember me, oh my God, remember me, oh my King, when you come into your kingdom. And then what do we do? Even the Epraxis response of remember me, Aripa mev'i, we're remembering what the thief said, All it's, it's the same mindset, the same orientation, the same um, uh, like how I should be thinking, and we see this Throughout the same hymns being used different ways over and over about Jesus fasting, about me repenting, about make me like the adulteress and the thief, and and the and 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 then the remember me, my lord, when you come into your kingdom. It's it's all about this Lenten mindset to get us in that uh mindset in that way. For you, O my Savior, have accepted his confession. You were compassionate upon him and sent him to paradise. We're banking on God's mercy. Yes, we are we are we're stating the reality of our loneliness and our sorrowfulness, but we also stress his mercies, right? Likewise, I, the sinner, Jesus, my true king and God, have compassion upon me and make me as one of them. For I know that you are good. This is, so after all the quote unquote negativity of the reality of my state and my loneliness and how how I, I don't deserve you, God, you know, but you are good. You are compassionate. You are patient. You are merciful. Remember me, O Lord, in your mercy forever and ever. So it's like, we're 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 yes we're admitting our sin but we're focusing on God's mercy not on our sin. I ask you, my Lord Jesus, do not destroy me in your anger, and likewise also in your wrath, do not chasten me for my ignorance. For you do desi- you do not desire the death of a sinner, but rather he returns in the. Desert. This is not the whole in my not the whole doxology. I just you know gave uh, pieces of it to give us this 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 idea in this uh, uh, yeah. So you get my whole point. The mindset of Lent. The, the the how I'm supposed to be thinking, how I'm supposed to be praying, how I'm supposed to be fasting, how I'm supposed to be giving. This is brought to life in our hymns, and this is also brought to life in the in the readings. You know, you've all probably seen this chart where uh, tomorrow is uh, the the Sunday before Lent, and so, like I said, it's it's you know Matthew six when we say when you fast, when you pray, uh, when you do good deeds and the Our Father prayer and, and the the right kind of attitude I should have, right? And then we all know this, even they came up with that song for the kids about remembering the uh, the the Sundays of Lent, where we have the first week of Lent is the treasures in heaven. Um, it, it gives us like, you know, seek first the kingdom, it, it gives us the, where are we going? What is the map? What is the mindset? What is the end goal? Setting the goal from the beginning, I'm seeking the kingdom and, and that is my main um, objective right and then the second week will be struggle the reality is that the whole point of fasting these 40 days is Jesus Christ himself fasted these 40 days so 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 uh on this um the say, you know how I'm saying this week if you if you look at the one um, way of organizing it you have the first week being preparation week and you have the last week being pascha and so the 40 days would be, those, those weeks there in the middle, from week two to the end of week six. And so the the first reading in those te- quote-unquote 40 days would be how Jesus Christ himself fasted for us. So he fasted for us, so we should fast also, just like we sang saying it up in choice, right? Our Lord Jesus Christ fasted for us 40 days and 40 nights. We too, let us fast with purity and righteousness. Um, and then we read about Jesus' fast and his temptation and his struggle. And then the whole point is repentance, is turning back to God. So we see that repentance in the uh, in the example of the prodigal son the next Sunday, and then um, the constitution basically the gospel the 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 fruit of repentance we see the Samaritan woman right, and then uh, in the second half you have the fruits of the struggle, which is you have the faith and the the healing of the paralytic man at the pool of Bethesda, and then you have uh, illumination and enlightenment and. excuse me, the man who's born blind. You have eyes being made for him and he's illuminated. And this would be, so um, uh, if you go by, uh, the early tradition was to fast the 40 days and then have baptism at the end of the 40 days. So if you went back to when the 40 days were right after Epiphany, then the baptism would be, At the end of the 40 days after Epiphany, if you went back to the time of Saint Athanasius, right, they would fast, but since it was one six week period, then when the person would uh, Baptism was still associated with the resurrection, but um, when they would actually do the baptism at the time of Saint Athanasius would be on Easter itself, on Pascha itself, you know, but then when Lent was elongated We still kept the baptism at the end of the 40 days, which which would be the Sunday of the uh, man born blind. And then be, because the the rituals for the next week, like Holy Week and Good Friday and Holy Thursday and, and uh you know the resurrection, now we have such commemorations and rituals for what our Lord that they're such built out that there would kind of be no space in the room uh you know to to be doing baptisms on that day. So then that's why you know had the, the Sunday of enlightenment, the um the uh, uh, baptism ended up being many times on this Sunday, which was the Sunday before Palm Sunday, the uh, the Sunday of the man born blind, and um, even if you look at if you look at the readings on the Friday of the Chetem Asum, so the Friday that we have the end deal, the last Friday of Lent, and then you look at the readings on like that whole weekend, then you look at the readings on Sunday, um, which is you know John chapter nine, the man born blind all of these readings have to do with baptism so we see that that idea still uh, and then we have um the entry into jerusalem and we have holy week so so um the point of all this i talked about a lot of stuff the point of everything and the takeaway of everything is for us to be able to actually live our faith to be able to live lent um to be able to actually have a holy fast where we offer to god prayer offer to god fasting offer to god charity and 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 um generosity and giving and 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 doing good deeds in general um and basically lining up our entire mentality uh to be aligned with god um correctly and so cuz cuz if we talk about hymns and we talk about rights and we talk about um uh, all this stuff. Right. So I, 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 I actually, let me stop sharing. So I talked about a bunch of stuff. You know, I talked about history. I talked about rights. I talked about, uh, uh, rituals. I talked about what we do. I talked about our readings, I, but then in the end, if, if we don't apply this into our life, uh, if it doesn't change me and transform me, like if after, I just taught all of you this now. Right. I just had all of the, this, this whole thing. Right. If I go now and I fight with my wife and, <laughs> and get into argue with her. And then I can't reconcile, then you know what, what good, what good is all this? What good is all this stuff if I can't take what we're learning and apply it practically and uh, and, uh, and, and 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 really change my life. May God help us and work in us and inform us that we ourselves can be humble, that we ourselves can be properly aligned to him, properly aligned to one another, offering him a pure fast. Offering a real repentance remembering what he did for us remembering our baptism and what he gave to us remembering who and what we are and realigning ourselves in a healthy way and then. If we really do this, then we we, we will be really able to sing Christ is risen and con- death is conquered and, and we will if we really go through this in a, in a real way. Then, when we celebrate the newness of the resurrection will we, we will also be able to do that in a real way. And with our whole heart and not being Christian just by name, but being like real on the inside. And glory be to God that is my. uh, uh, That's what I have prepared Um, i'll open it up for you guys abuna or anyone, if you have anything to add or anything to ask feel free.
1: Has a question sure hi everyone hi um so i had a quick question about um in regards to the last friday of lent do you know why there's like a almost kind of like a like in between where we're kind of like weekdays and week ends like i know the hymns and the and like the tunes are a little bit like the, it's kind of like a combination of both is there like a specific reason
0: okay so the last friday of lent what's the day right after it
1: uh Lazarus saturday
0: and then what's the day after that Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday. So here, so here's the deal. How did people, um, you know, stay with me, stay close for a second, in case we, in case we dialogue more. It seems like, okay, it seems like. Um, and and and, um, what happened was as I was talking, you know, you know how I said people didn't fast. So okay, uh, you know how we say they didn't fast like Saturday and Sunday even the way of fasting it might it might itself have um um evolved and and so um we have the 40 day fast right which is uh concluded in al-Sum, and then we have holy week which is a which is a fast right so the two days in between think of it this way think of it as you have um um the 40 day fast, and that's the fast that I was talking about. And then that 40 day fast was joined to the Holy week fast, you know, so not to think of it as like a two day break between as if, okay, like you don't have to fast. Like, I'm, I'm not saying the way we do things now fast, the way we have things now and, 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 uh, um, but it seems like it might have been where in some of the traditions in some of the other countries, you would have the 40 day fast. And then Saturday and Sunday would be like a two-day break, and then you'd have the fast of Holy Week. You know. Now, this is something that could be historical context that could be leading to what you're saying. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I I also have another.
0: Now, now I'm not saying don't take what I say and run away with it, and then say, "Oh, Abuna John said we could take a break from fasting." Said no. That's not. That's. (laughs) That's not what I'm saying. The way we do things now is the way you should do things now is the way we should uh continue but historically it might have been might have been historically it might have been where you had the 40 day fast and then you had Saturday and Sunday and then you had the holy week fast you know so in some places historically um that might have been that might have been the way things like worked and so maybe Saturday and Sunday would go back to being santwi uh and then they would go uh like hazani again for 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 uh so that could be the, that could be one reason, but even I am not 100% sure this is speculation based on, on, I, I wasn't even aware that we kind of went back to being annual and then went back to, but your question of what you're asking lines up with things that I've read in, 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 in these books.
1: Okay. I also had another question, Abuna. Um, Do You know, the reason why uh, there's like a break between Jonas Fast and Lent. Like why do we, is there a reason why we have like a kind of like a two-week break or why like why aren't they just one longer fast or
0: no? I mean the, the one it's not like there's a so I mean and Abunakurus can correct me and add add to this as, as he as he sees. Um it's it's not like so originally we had our Lenten fast and Jonah's fast wasn't even there, you know, so we never had Jonah's fast in our church until the 900s pope abraham ibn zarra the, the same the the same pope abraham who was the, at the time of uh, muattam he was syrian background and we adopted the syrian jonah's fast and we added it 2 weeks before lent so it's not like okay there was this big fast and the church is giving us a break between jonah and lent jonah's fast was never there. jonah's fast is the one that was added in a time that we didn't have a fast you get what i'm saying historically yeah. So so um, we have our Lent and we had our Lent and we had the way that we did Lent. Then the three week fast of Jonah was added, was adopted from the Syrian church. And then we take it as a kind of preparation introduction to get ready for Lent in two weeks. That's my understanding, but but I don't know everything and I I, I could be wrong.
1: And I have a third question of Luna. Um, so you were talking about the general funeral. Yeah, and you're you're saying how like they had a pandemic basically, and that's what where they like implemented the general funeral. Yeah. So were, were you? I don't know about. I think I might have been confused. So you were saying before they used to pray funerals during Lent, or sorry,
0: during Holy Week, or they would push everything until after the fifty days and then pray them. No, that I don't know that. So as as far as how things were done, I'm not going to venture to um to I'm not going to venture to explain how things were done before that, or if they did funerals before that. To tell you the truth, I have no idea, okay? But what what I do know is again, and and it all comes down to the sources of what you read and who said what, right? And so it was a clergy meeting that we had where it was during the time of the pandemic and uh, Abuna Michael Suriel was talking about the history of the development of things. And he was saying that the general funeral was added because of a pandemic. So don't don't, Take or add any more to it of what I said than, than you know, strictly what I said. So it entered, put it this way: there was a pandemic and so many people unfortunately died. And so what the church decided to do was have this general funeral um, for everyone that died because there were so many deaths everywhere. And once that general funeral was added, they did it again the next year, and, and then it, it just became added into like what we do. Every year, you know, how, like you do something, and then it becomes, it sets a precedent, and it becomes tradition, and you end up just keep doing it. Yeah. Um, so it's not wrong. It's good. It's something good that we do. It's just um, I learned that the the reason of it historically um, was because of um, there was a pandemic, and there um, was a lot of people that died, and then so they had this general funeral for those very practical reasons. And then it just ended up setting a precedent and became part of the ritual, became part of the rite.